And when I looked closer, there was a, a Sasquatch face on the other side, and uh, it was looking right back in at us. Staring back at me is a silhouette of a very, very giant monkey. An intriguing discovery is being investigated in a community east of Seattle. Someone came across a lengthy trail of extremely large footprints. They are up there. Welcome, everyone. You've tuned into the Nicola Valley Bigfoot Podcast, a place where your encounters are told. To share your encounter and to be on the show, email me at nicolavalleybigfoot at gmail.com. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. My name is uh, Daniel. I... I'm a retired mechanical engineer. I'm 70 years old nowadays. <laughs> uh, and I'm retired in the south part of the state of Georgia. Back in the 70s and 80s, though, I lived in the state of Oregon. Uh, I, moved, I moved to Oregon about 1979, if I remember correctly. Um, and uh, the outdoors is phenomenal there, the mountains and the the lakes and the creeks and all that is just awe-inspiring. Uh, and I got horses. Uh, so I started looking. You don't have to look around too hard in order to find good hunting places there. But I like the adventure. So we finally, I finally was told, why don't you go into an area called um, Three Sisters Wilderness Area, which is... Um, Near a lake called um, Lost Lake. No, Devil's Lake. I'm sorry. Devil's Lake. It would You would drive here. I would drive my pickup truck with a trailer, and I would stop where there was no more road, and we would ride our horses up the Pacific Crest Trail. For those who don't know what that is, and I'm sorry, most of you probably do, it's a it's a trail through the mountain that goes from Mexico all the way to Canada, and it crosses all those mountains. People walk it, and people ride horses, et cetera. You can't take uh, motor vehicles there at all. So for years, I hunted. We found a very nice spot, and uh, we used to go elk hunting and deer hunting, and you would run into bear and elk, and it, it was just very abundant with with uh, with game. In 1989, by that time, my son was about 14. My older son was about 14. He was going to high school and he had some buddies. And uh, I decided that I wanted to scout and see how the game was looking, preparing uh, myself for the next uh, hunting season. I would normally put a tent up there and stay there a week or two sometimes. So we this time we drove my car and uh, we had backpacks. We we arrived, still was dark, and we got our backpacks on. And as as the day the day began getting clear, we started walking up the trail, and it took us every bit of about eight hours, and we got there about noon. Um, and we, we fixed lunch, et cetera. At that time, of course, I was in very, very good shape. And my son was a young kid, athletic. So we had no issues walking fast going in there. Uh, but I, we got there about 12 o'clock and, uh, we, we made some lunch. Uh, we had eaten some, um, some bars or candy bars or something on the way in the morning. So I made, we made some lunch and we ate some lunch and everybody went out uh, their own way, trying to kind of look around and see how the elk were moving. It was elk, no, it was elk season coming. No deer, if I remember correctly, it was deer season, which is before elk. And uh, to make a long story short, the, the game was abundant. Uh, we met back, at camp at about two o'clock in the afternoon. And we just sat there 
telling stories. There was two more of my my son's friends. So it was four of us. Oh, the, the three kids were teenagers, and you know my son is 48, 49 now, but at that time he was 14, 15. So there was three kids that were teenagers and myself. So we 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 talked. We never the 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 idea of Bigfoot never was considered there whatsoever. I had heard about it, but I neither believed it nor didn't believe it. Neither or. Uh, but in any case, um, the evening came. We ate dinner and about ten o'clock at night. Uh, we pulled in our tents to sleep. The tent was a, a very, since we were, we back back then, we didn't have the heavy tarp uh, tent. We just had a very light nylon tent that could sleep all four of us on the ground, but there was no extra space. But it was so light that you could see, almost see through, and it was full moon that night. So um, we got to sleep, and... Sometime around two, three o'clock in the morning, I hear uh, these heavy steps approaching or getting closer to our our place. At that time, um, when I every time I packed in there or backpacked or whatever, I always used to carry a forty-four Magnum revolver. Um, and I heard the steps, and I just thought, well, probably some other hunters coming in, doing the same thing, although that's so so remote that sometimes we didn't see people for two or three weeks at a time, you wouldn't see anybody else. But the steps kept on coming close, and um, it stopped about two or three feet from the tent. And uh, the, sh- the shape and the shadow was so huge that I assume, okay, it's probably an individual so close to the tent with the moon in the background, is he's covering the light and it looks like something big because I did not consider a human to be there. Um, then I, 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 we started listening to the breathing and it was very, very heavy breathing, uh, breathing that is cannot be duplicated by a human. That sound it was obviously an animal breathing. Then I then I consider was could it possibly be a bear? No, bears don't walk for that long on on two feet, uh, you know, for that extended amount of time. And all of a sudden, I began to worry, and I said, you know, could it, could it be somebody playing games that they're gonna they want to rob us? So I got my gun, and I turned on my back inside my sleeping bag. And so I say, hey, I don't know who you are, but don't get close to the tent because I have a gun and I will fire. So please stay away from the tent. Nothing happened. We could see the silhouette move a little bit. Of course, my my talking woke up the three kids, right, that were there. And, um, and it continued to stand there moving very little for about another perhaps 30 seconds. Then all of a sudden, we saw the, the, the shadow go to our left, which was sort of a continuation of the original direction that it had come from. Immediately when the shadow disappeared, I sat up and got the zipper on, on, on done and put like one knee out. I was half inside the, the sleeping bag yet. And remember it was full moon. The the thing, the animal, was perhaps 15 yards, if that, maybe closer. And the moment that it heard, heard the commotion that we had on the zipper, it turned around. And in the full moon, we could clearly see the face of something that looked like a human or half a human, half, a, half an ape. It was probably eight, nine feet tall, very wide. It weighed no less than 800 pounds. And uh, he looked at us and then put out a what I call the 
a growl slash howl that echoed throughout those mountains that it was impossible for a human to make. Uh, and I, I mean, I was terrified. So were the kids. I thought to myself, if this animal wants to charge us, there is, I, I maybe had a chance to let one shot go because it was so close, but I knew that one shot would never be able to stop an animal that big. Instead of coming our way, it turned around and now it started walking with a very fast pace down the, the, the Pacific Crest Trail going north and looking back a couple of times and, uh, and then it went off of the trail towards, towards the volcanoes and, and that's it. We never heard, uh, a, you know, of course we stayed awake the rest of the night. Yeah. Uh, but it didn't, it didn't come back. It didn't make any noise anymore. Uh, and of course, you know, at that time, nobody would believe us. So for the better, better part of 30 years, we would talk among us only because, well, the, at that time I was a mechanical engineer for a big corporation. And if I would have said that, they would have thought, oh, we better get rid of this guy. He's going to kill somebody here with some of this equipment. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we never talked. As a matter of fact, it was so vivid in our mind that back about three years ago from today, three or four years ago, I uh, I had back surgery, and uh, my sister was visiting me in the hospital, and the, the conversation came up, and uh, I said, listen, I'm not going to say that you're here. Just wait for a minute. And I, and I called one of these young men that are now in their 40s, uh, in their mid to high 40s, and uh, and so I was talking. How's your dad? How did everybody good? And I said to him, um, "Hey, do you remember that night?" And he immediately answered, "I remember like if it happened yesterday." They have never forgotten. You cannot possibly forget. Uh, after after that incident happened, the hunting season came. We didn't see anything. I did go hunting in the same area. And after that, eventually I moved out of Oregon and my son and, the, and those kids still live there. I call them kids. They're 40 some years old. Um, and they still hunt that same area. And since then, what they have heard were, you know, the knocks, faraway howls, and small rocks thrown at the tent, uh, but never been able to see them um, like we saw them. I mean, there is absolutely no doubt in my mind, and I and I just for for reference, I, I've never needed a psychiatrist. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> uh, you know, I I am I'm a mechanical engineer that believes in numbers and reality, uh, and I definitely know that they exist. My opinion is that uh, they are a species of animal, such as the mountain gorilla, for example that lived in the mountains for years and years and years while men, the mankind was near them. And it was it's basically a relatively short time ago that we discovered those animals. So they were there. We didn't know they were there. That's the same thing, except I believe they're a lot smarter. And uh, if somebody has any idea of what those mountains and wilderness look like they would probably understand that there is absolutely so many places that you could live never to be seen or 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 be in contact with with a human being they are thousands and thousands and thousands of square miles of nothing but mountains and rivers and lakes and and trees that, that are three or four feet on the stump. Um, so, you know, that changed my, basically my life. Because obviously from, from then on, I realized that they were there. So uh, in the last seven or eight years, I began being very interested in finding out what about other people. And now a lot of people just say it. I believe they were seeing it before, but they weren't 
saying that they had seen it for the same reason we didn't. Yeah. And that's basically it. I mean, it was a, it was a, I don't believe, I believe that when he stopped by our tent, it was curiosity. Because if he wanted to get us, all he had to do is grab the tent and pull it and it would have, you know, they would have been able to do it easy. Yeah. And I believe that when he turned around and made the growl and the howl that he made, but I'm talking is that that my hair stood up behind my, you know, in my neck. Uh, it was just basically a way of saying, hey, look, don't follow me. And and he turned around and started walking in a fast pace, like, hey, leave me alone, you know. I believe these yeah. are a species of animals that really don't want to hurt you. They just want to be left alone. But I do know that they are extremely uh, intelligent, you know. Uh, I've, I've, I have friends that had uh, orchards in, in Hood River, Hood River, Oregon, which is where we lived, and they were there. And uh, and they have they are very 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 smart, very smart. Uh, yeah, definitely. And, and basically that's it. I want to ask a few questions, uh, Daniel. But before we do that, there's one thing that's kind of weighing on my mind. Like you had your gun in your hand uh, when you unzipped the tent. Did the thought ever cross your mind to to raise it up and 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 to you know put them in your sights? No, no, no. I I, I had it there for protection and my attitude when I, I never even leveled the gun. I knew I had time to let one shot go. I mean, it was loaded with, with 44 mag hollow points. Uh, and I knew I had a chance to take one shot. Uh, but I never had the intentions to, for some reason, you know, I just never had, I, I, you know, I'm a hunter and everything, but I just, Listen, when you see something like that, the people don't realize that the, the, the momentary impact, when you're not expecting the momentary impact that that causes in your mind at that moment, doesn't allow for much thinking or planning. You know, it was yeah. just a, uh, a sense of, you know, protecting yourself is all that comes to, you, to your mind. I kind of understand that because I had an incident with with a Sasquatch myself where I had a tape recorder in my hand and uh, the thought never even occurred to me to, to use it. It was right in my hand and the thought never occurred to yeah. use it because it was just, my brain was still trying to make sense of what was happening. And, and so I, I, that's why I brought it up. It's because a lot of the times people, you know, they get questions. Why didn't you take a picture? Why didn't you shoot your gun? All this stuff. Well, the simple fact is you, you don't even, it doesn't even come to your mind because your 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 brain is so busy trying to make sense of what's going on that you know all every other secondary function kind of gets you know thrown to the wayside so to speak and you know absolutely I, yeah yeah that's what that's what kind of i asked i i mean I, I i really don't want people you know raising guns to these creatures in the first place but you know sometimes it happens and that, 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 but that's why i asked you that because of uh, conversations that i've had with Someone who actually had a family of them living in an orchard that was in the base of Mount Hood, right there in Hood River. They actually, there's something about cameras that they shy away from completely. They don't, I don't know what it is, but they don't like it. Uh, and I don't know if they understand what it is. I don't know to what degree their intelligence work, but I know that they can communicate with each other. And that's not a big deal because whales can communicate with each other, right? Mm -hmm. Dogs understand a bunch of words from the vocabulary. Once they learn it, they know what it is. They know their name. They know to sit. They know to go, right? So it, it, isn't, it is not uh, surprising that there be a... a, a species of animals out there that have that capability and and then some yeah i, I completely agree um i mean the curiosity level alone of, of these creatures is something to, that i find fascinating you know for for them to to risk coming into somebody's camp like, like like yourself i mean that puts them in a real binding predicament should you know things go wrong but you know the curiosity level of these creatures really seems to get the better of them 
Uh, was there anything, you know, rifled through or, or rummaged through in your camp? Like, was it looking for food? Like, what, what do you think it... No, no, the, the feeling that I have is that it was traveling through. And the, the, the Forest Service in, in that area um, had made uh, three, if, I, if you can imagine, a, a three-walled um, cabin. In other words, a roof and three walls, and one side is open, right? And that is shelters just in case you get caught in a snowstorm or something. At least you can get out of the, 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 the storm a oh, little okay. bit, right? So we had actually put our tent inside of that three-wall tent. The, the, the front, I mean, our, that three-wall cabin. The front of the cabin, you, if you were sitting on the floor, your feet will almost be on, on the Pacific Crest Trail. So what I believe is that he was walking, uh, and somehow he didn't catch a, a whiff of our smell. And he was probably used to seeing that cabin there. And when it got close enough, then he realized that there was this thing in there, that this tent in there. And he stopped just observing to see what in the world that was. He, he didn't touch it. One time I thought his leg touched it, but I'm not sure. But that's how close it came. It came real close. He never stepped on the floor of, of, of the three-wall cabin. He never stepped up because it would have moved all the all the planks and it would have would it would have bent. He he stayed on the on the trail itself, but I think that what he did was get surprised that this thing was there and he stopped for a little bit and then he heard me talk, and then he didn't really had any interest in hurting us or anything else and and just uh, kept going. Yeah, it kind of sounds like you almost startled it. You know, when you, you yeah, kind of yelled I, yes, out. I believe, I believe so, yeah. I believe so. And uh, and then the sound of the zipper, which was instant. I mean, you know, we opened it immediately and stuck our head out. And it, it was it was light, you know, full moon shining right on from as I opened the zipper. It was right in front of me, the, 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 uh, the moon, you know. So it illuminated him completely the face was like a leathery grayish uh, color and he had very dark brown and black hair uh, his hands did not have much hair and his arms when he put him down were probably as far as his knee or even a little further you know and they were immense around his back was three and a half four feet across you know it was it was big that's a big it guy. was it, it, it was very big after reading and stuff i i considered that to, it was probably a male you know it was probably male i don't know what he was doing uh, that area is it's absolutely full oh by the way the very next day we did find we did find tracks the very next day, when it got light in the morning, we walked the trail slowly, and there were two or three tracks on the, on the trail up to when he turned to the right and went into you know in the trees and out of the out of the trail itself. Did you guys ever have the inkling to follow the tracks? No, 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 we didn't. We uh, we were very shocked by what we saw. And uh, and we didn't think it was no we we didn't for some reason yeah yeah no no I mean there's the odd time people well, perhaps if I was a young man and it would happen today I would you know uh, after getting more knowledge and more you know after doing more investigation and see what it is I don't know if it is true some people say that for example there's a lot of sightings in the state of Pennsylvania. And even Ohio, and they they describe them as animals that have that are a little more aggressive. But I believe that the, if if such thing is true, 
what I've been able to see by what I saw and by what my friend had in his rank for many years. I mean, he literally had a relationship with, with a family of him. Um, oh, I, that, want to, I want to talk to that person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they were, the guy is, the guy is about 66, 67. I haven't talked to him in quite a while. But in any case, um, they don't mean any, I mean, as, as any animal, if you corner them, I'm, not, I'm sure they're going to react. You know, I mean, if you corner a dog, he'll bite you, right? And that doesn't mean he really want to, wants to bite you, but he's afraid and he thinks, you know, and the same thing if, if, if it has, you know, uh, babies or something you know even worse then yeah so i'm assuming they would do that in the northwest if something like that occurred but i think that in general they don't really want to bother you at all and they don't want to be bothered maybe from far away they look at you i have i have a, if, if, i have pictures of that trail in my facebook my my face my facebook i had a a train of horses riding on that trail. I was on one of the horses, and uh, and you could see my horse look to the to the right. And after looking a little bit into the picture, there is a couple of possibilities that something could have been there. And you can see the horse really paying some attention to that with his with the ears up, you know, looking. And they were all seasoned mountain horses, you know. Mm. They, they would only do that if something was out of the ordinary. A deer could jump in front of them, they wouldn't even blink, or an elk, or even a bear. I ran into bears, they wouldn't, you know. So I don't know what he was looking at, but if, if you look at the picture, um, you can see the back horse, which is the one I was on, looking to the right like that. And if you look the way he's looked, and and look inside the the trees there, there's a, there's a couple of you know that I might have not been aware of the, at the time, but there's a couple of things that you see that could have been. You know, they're not clear, but yeah. they could have been because we we took a picture of that. Not of them. We were taking a picture of the four horses walking up the trail, you know. Mm -hmm. And my my son just walked, rode his horse a little far away, and he took a picture of us uh, coming up the trail, right in the Pacific Crest Trail, right in Oregon, probably about I don't know, perhaps maybe two miles from where the incident occurred. Yeah. Now you mentioned earlier that your 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 sons still hunt in that area. Oh, they still do. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. They, they're they're hearing whoops and, and tree knocks and that sort of thing. Like, had, did you do any follow up research afterwards and you know think, well, maybe there's this area is well known for for these creatures to be located at? No, I did not. Look, look, I feared. I, I, we had to keep that very quiet because at that time you we're talking nine, at the year of 1989. So that's what now, 32 years ago, right? At that time, if you would tell somebody that you saw a Bigfoot, they would literally think that you were crazy. So consequently, the only conversation in regards to that particular incident was between us four. It was only 20 years later that I told my wife. Oh, wow. And I told my sister. My sister believed that her husband still to this day thinks that 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 was a human doing that to scare us. I said, okay, so let me let me understand this. There were cars parked way down there and somebody got a suit and came uh, six or seven or eight hours on foot in the middle of the night and then had a, a sound system that really sounded real loud. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it doesn't make sense yeah. at all. I, I know, I know it wasn't. You know, when there's an animal, there wasn't a lot of smell, but there was some smell. There wasn't a lot of smell. Like they, I don't know if they put out smell when they're scared or when they're worried or or something. 
But that day, there wasn't a lot of smell. It did smell a little weird, like a skunk, but we were used to smelling that in 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 those in, in that country, you know, because yeah. there was everything there. So yeah, what what did you guys talk about that night? I, I know you mentioned that you guys couldn't go back to sleep after that. Oh, so what did you guys goodness. what did you guys try, we, try to bring up? You you name it. What is that? That must be a Bigfoot. You know, did you see what it looked like? This man. What if it comes back? You know, all kinds of all kinds of stuff. You know, I, I mean, we we didn't stop talking about it for a week. You know. Yeah. Yeah, we were we were we were concerned that night that it would return. And I and I didn't have a high power rifle with me, so we were concerned, and consequently. We never really closed the tent anymore. One of us would sit out there uh, uh, on the on the floor of the of the three wall cabin, which was about perhaps a foot and a half from the actual ground. So you could sit with your feet to the dirt, and you'd be sitting on the wood, you know. Mm. So one one of us was out there all the time with a big powerful flashlight making sure that it wasn't going to return yeah you we guys were, we were we were concerned yeah and you guys stayed to, to continue your hunt afterward the following day you didn't pack up and go oh yeah 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 we stayed there a couple of days uh we did our thing we used to do a lot of fishing up there there's many lakes not only this one called lost lake the place is if you look in one that you can go to Google map and it is between let, let me see it is north north no it is west of the of the three mountains between the first mountain and the second mountain and west about 15 miles there the, the, the Pacific Crest Trail goes through there and the spot that we hunted there is a there is a, a moment in the Pacific Crest Trail where it splits, and one goes a little higher into the mountain, and the other one stays down maybe two three miles below it, and then they come together, maybe about five miles further. So they they do like a loop, they they spread out, and then they come back together, and that was very safe to hunt in 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 the early you know, in the fall and early winter, because sometimes you would get a snowstorm and you knew that it didn't matter in what direction you, you walked, you were encircled by a trail and we, we knew it very well. So we didn't worry about losing. And then what we would do is we would ride our horses to the top trail and then get the bridle off and put her in the saddlebags and let the horse go, and the horse would actually find the way to the meadow where we would camp, and then we would hunt, walking slowly down the hill, you know. And so it was, uh, it was a wonderful place. It still is. This guy still hunted. Well, that's good. At least you know I've talked to some people who, who after having encounters with these, with these creatures they don't go back like it's very few and far between but every now and then i i talk to a hunter who's i'm not going back into the woods again just because it you know it really yeah. really traumatized them and whatnot it, it seems like it kind of you know gave you a little bit of a scare that night but you know how, how long did it really take you to kind of you know come to terms with what you saw because I, I realize you know seeing an eight foot nine foot hairy creature can be very very overwhelming for anybody's brain to handle really I mean, oh, how, absolutely. Yeah. How, how long did absolutely. it take you to, to come to kind of grips with, okay, that's what it was. We, yeah. we saw a Bigfoot. And... Once, once we saw it, we pretty much knew what it was because we, obviously we had heard of, you know, of, and read of these, these creatures wandering in the Northwest, in the Pacific Northwest. So we knew what it was. And, and the hard part, I think it was when we actually came for the actual hunt as we were alone there in the in the in the morning before dawn walking through the, the trees and the mountains 
you know, in the mountain going downhill to from the top trail to the bottom trail. Uh, I remember being very concerned and kind of seeing things that perhaps were not there, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 We, and and of, at that time, of course, when I came back, now I had a high power rifle and I was a little more confident that I had more ability to, to stop any, any attack like that a little, a little bit, or at least I had a better chance. Yeah, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. I mean, it really sounds like, you know, um, and forgive me for assuming, though, it really kind of affects you in a, in a way that, you know, you weren't really comfortable with. Is that fair to say? I mean, like you, you kept it oh, in for, for decades. Absolutely. Absolutely fair to say. Um, you can't possibly, you know, I, I've always been the type that says that, you know, and I have literally done it where I've been chasing cattle with my horse and the horse has tripped and tumbled and threw me. And I, and, and, and I've all, my, my dad told me what you do is you tackle your fear immediately. So you get it back up on your horse right then and there, you know? So I'm, I wasn't going to leave or abandon my hobby, which I loved or sport, whatever people call it. Some people were criticizing me there because hunting is is killing uh, God's creatures. Well, it is, but so is eating beef or pork, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, but in any but in any case, uh, that here or there, um, I wasn't prepared to leave, abandon something. And it wasn't as much the meat, which I ate at all. It, it was just the hunt. It was, it was being with my friends there. It was getting up and and making pancakes. It was picking, uh, you know, berries in the mountains and putting it in the pancakes we were making, and 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 talking and you know that was fantastic. I have very phenomenal memories of that. Uh, so I wasn't about to leave that, and I but I I. I got to admit that when I was there, it, from then on, any time that I went there and I was by myself, particularly in the morning, in the dusk, because well, what we would do is we would get up like at 4 o'clock in the morning and then, you know, or maybe 3.30 and saddle the horses and every everyone would go their own way. And the, the horses already knew. And when we finally came down and arrived at camp, the horses were there eating in the meadow. There was a creek going through it. That's it. That was a place that was probably about half a mile from where we camped that night. Our normal hunting camp was off of the trail, and the horses were used to being there. So, yeah, I remember the first time after that that I that I let my horse go, and the horse started going downhill and disappeared. And I'm walking, and you hear something, you know, and you wonder, whoa, well, what is that? Is that one, you know, is that the thing again? So I, I did worry, and it never went away. It actually never really went away. Yeah, it always kind of stays in the back of your mind. I mean, even with my own encounter, I, I, it made me really acute to the sounds and the senses that kind of pop up in your mind, you know, as you're walking through the woods or, or doing whatever in, in the woods, in the forest. I mean, it, 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 your body becomes aware of these senses now, and, and now you're constantly, whether you're aware of it or not, you know, subconsciously, you know, scanning the forest for, for weird noises or weird whoops. Or, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I understand, like, you wanted to keep your, you know, you had a really a lot of good memories with, with hunting, you know, with your boys and your friends and, and, and all that stuff. So I don't blame you for, for, you know, kind of pushing that encounter aside just so you can continue to enjoy it like i don't blame you i do the same thing and i have done the same thing have you ever been in oregon no uh, well i live in british columbia and people say it all kind of looks the same <laughs> oh it probably looks the same yeah that's right my, my, yeah uh, well that's the country that's how oregon looks like in washington yeah uh, I, i've been what to washington you? but i haven't been as far as, i haven't been south of, of, the, of washington state so i, I really I do want to get there though it's i heard it's beautiful oh beautiful and speaking of of that when, when mount st Helen went off then there is a story that that you read about people saying that the army went in there and they they were some 
Bigfoot that were burned or hurt yeah. and they were helping him and they were actually interacting with him. So I don't know, but you do know that the state of Washington uh, lists the Bigfoot in the list of protected animals yeah. that you're not supposed to. Yeah. Protected species. Yeah. Protected species. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind so of they weird. Have actually, they have actually accepted it. What was that? Well, I was just going to say, it's actually kind of weird because in, in British Columbia, it, it's very well known that, you know, Bigfoot and Sasquatch, they, they're in the forest. Everybody knows it already. Uh, so yeah. it's just kind of a common everyday thing at this point now that everybody knows they're there. So Yeah, nowadays, nowadays it's easy to talk about it anymore, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I was going to bring that up, actually. I was going to say, you know, after all these years, you finally you started sharing your encounter and sharing your story. And I do thank you for coming on my show and talking about it. I, I really, I, when I read your encounter on Facebook, I was like, okay, I need to speak to this gentleman. Cause that's amazing. Yeah, that was, uh, I mean, there's a lot of little details around that. You, I mean, you, you can't write five pages cause then people wouldn't, but it sums it up pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it sums it sums it up pretty well, and it, and it is absolutely one hundred percent true, without any doubt in my mind. I mean, one thing is seeing something dark five hundred miles. I mean, five hundred yards from you, and, and and walking in the trees, and you're not sure is it a bear? Is it no, no, no? This thing was not a bear. This thing was most definitely a Bigfoot with a half human face. And an understanding of what was going on there, without a doubt. Exactly. Let yeah. me ask you this, Daniel. Like, do you do you regret at all not sharing your story earlier? Like, maybe you know, earlier on in your lifetime or anything? Uh, like that? No, because they weren't going to believe it anyway. And I and I was I was really I lived for outdoors. You know, I lived for outdoor. I was fortunate to live where I could saddle my horses in my house. And going to these mountains, you know, literally. That day it wasn't that way because we happened to like this other spot, so we trailered them there. But I could literally saddle my horses and ride them up to the Pacific Crest Trail, a lot further north than, than what this story goes. Hmm. I live slightly north of Mount Hood. That is some, that's another area there that is wild. Well, people get in there when they're skiing and they get lost and there there has been many many sightings there now many sightings yeah i've actually heard that yeah well daniel i want to ask you one final question before we wrap this up here and it's kind of you can answer it however you want but it, it, it goes what would you tell to someone who who's keeping you know keeping it in not willing to share their story what would you say to someone who's keeping it inside and doesn't really want to talk yeah, about I, it i would i would tell them that First of all, when something affects you that much, it's good to talk about it, you know, and that nowadays there are so many people that know and, and believe that it's not going to be a big issue. I, I think a lot of people don't, well, including me, I didn't say it because of fear of being considered somebody that was crazy or something or, or lying or something like that. But nowadays people know it exists. People hear it all over the place. There, there are sightings all the time. And uh, and I would strongly recommend for them to, if they don't want to talk to somebody verbally, you know, share it in one of those groups. There's many, many groups out there that are full of people that do believe completely what's going on. Even if they haven't seen it, they believe it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. If I was a, a young, vibrant man nowadays, I would actually go, what do they call it, squashing? Oh, squashing, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would definitely, I would definitely be doing that as in my retirement. But I, I hurt my back and I had a couple of back surgeries. And unfortunately, I'm in a wheelchair. I'm healthy, but I'm in a wheelchair. So... You know, the best I can do now is we have a pickup truck and a side-by-side, -side and my son and I, uh, my young, I have a young son that's 23, of, of a different marriage, of course. Hmm. And we go in the woods, and we do a little hog hunting. There's a lot of hogs over here in in Georgia. 
and we camp out there. But my mobility walking is very hard for me. You know, I can take maybe four or five steps without, you know, on my feet. Enough to get up and go to the bathroom, enough to, you know. But but if it wasn't for that, I'd be... I'd be in the mountains now that I'm retired and can afford it. I would be in the mountains all the time. You know? <laughs> yeah, me too. Actually, now that I now yeah. that I think about it, yeah, me too. Did that never ever come up? Like, did you ever want to go look in your earlier days? Like, like after this incident happened, did you ever want to? Not, not not until I eventually moved to Florida, to Southern Florida, and and you know, and, and I had remarried, and I had a, a this kid that is now 23. Uh, he was little when I was still able to do that, and I was still working, et cetera, et cetera. So I no, it didn't. It didn't. I I've, I always wished that I could, even when I was a young a young guy, just married at 20 years of age. I I always want. I always wish I could live. I always said I wish I could live in Alaska. And get you know just get a cabin over there, but of course my wife would never consider doing that. <laughs> Mine either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, in any case, but it was quite an interesting uh, experience. It was, and thank you so much for coming on and sharing it with us. That was amazing. Thank you so much, sir. You're very very welcome, my friend. Daniel, once again, my listeners appreciate your story and appreciate you for coming on. Uh, thank you again. I, I know we had a little mix up in the scheduling today, but I'm glad that we got this. Through, we got on and talked to each other today. Thank you so much. Good deal. You're very welcome. You have a good night. You too. And for the listeners, if you guys just want to hang around, we're going to close out the show. Stay there. And welcome back, everyone. We are back to pull a pin on this episode, but before we do that, we got to give a huge thank you to Daniel for coming on and sharing his encounter. I mean, what a great encounter. And for the record, I love hearing people's stories, <laughs> no matter what part of the continent they're coming from. But uh, I just really, really dig hearing it. So thank you so much, Daniel. I do appreciate it. Um, uh, and you know what? And while we're at it, I'm really glad that you actually came out and decided to share your encounter with everybody. I mean, I'm hearing quite a bit. You know, of people holding in their encounters, not wanting to share it with anybody. And I hear it quite a bit, like quite often, actually. And some of the times people don't want to come on the show. They just want someone to talk to and, you know, someone to reassure them that they're not crazy. And, you know, of course I ask them to come on and they decline, which is, you know, everybody's right. I mean, if you want to share your your encounter, by all means. But, you know, it, it says something. It really does say something to, you know, the human psyche that, you know, there's such a fear of ridicule and, and, and you know, fear of, of, you know, job loss and the, the, the repercussions of admitting that you've had an encounter with one of these creatures, which, you know, uh, I really hope that I'm doing my part in trying to normalize, um, you know, the stigma that comes with, with having a Sasquatch encounter, you know. So I, I just want, you know, the closer we get to... Um, mainstream acceptance of sasquatch being a, a real creature which they are everybody i think everybody listening and, and for the most part people uh they, they agree i mean sasquatch are out there you know but i think in acknowledging sasquatch existence part of it has to be has to uh people's guards have to be lowered and by that i mean you know people can't be so apprehensive about coming forward with their encounters because the more encounters that that pop up or the more encounters that people, you know, the, the stories that they share that come up, you know, the, the more acceptance is going to come out of that. So, you know, thank you so much, Daniel. I, I really do appreciate you sharing your encounter. Uh, it, it was a great story. So thank you so much again. Uh, and for, you know, I might as well segue into this. If you've had an encounter and you want to be on the show, I can be contacted at Bigfoot at gmail.com. That's N-I-C-O-L-A, Bigfoot at gmail.com. You know, if you have an encounter and you're sitting on the fence on whether or not you should share it, even if it's not with me, you know, contact Wes at Sasquatch Chronicles or or, or uh, Bigfoot Odyssey or, or somebody like that, just anybody, or, or just not even, if you don't even want to be on the show, send me an email, you know. Don't hold that stuff in because, you know, it, it does eat away at people. And, you know, sometimes it can be very 
um, harsh. I'll put it that way. So when you get in touch with somebody, if you want to share your encounter and you, but you don't want to risk the humiliation or what you perceive to be humiliation, by all means, get in touch with somebody. There's lots of Facebook groups. There's, there's lots of, you know, Reddit, you know, Twitter. You can find it on Instagram, anywhere. You can find it anywhere. So just reach out and talk to somebody about it. Let's stop this stigma of ridicule because you've come across one of these creatures. So, yeah, and that was my, uh, my rant of the day. <laughs> okay. We're going to get out of here, guys. Uh, there is a Saturday show coming. Let's push this button. We'll find out what's coming up. On the next episode of the Nicola Valley Bigfoot podcast. This very, very large, tall figure, I would say he's probably at least, at least eight feet tall, stepped out of the tree line and just started to walk across our yard. And uh, we all just stood there in amazement because we were just so shocked. So tune in. It'll be a nice little quick one for you guys. I'm hoping you guys are enjoying those because, you know, Saturday shows, for some reason, the numbers don't do nearly as well as, as regular Tuesday shows. I'm not sure why. Yeah. But anyway, there is a Saturday show coming, two guests on, and uh, I'm hoping you guys will tune in. Uh, okay, but until Saturday, I will talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.